Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Month we've been speaking about enough, and this is the last message in that series. Uh, by the way, I was out walking the dog in the bush this afternoon, and the next month, the next Sunday, we start a brand new series. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to me as He often does out in the bush with the dog. Lola has no idea what she gets to be a part of. Uh, But speaking to me about your imaginations, your perceptions and your convictions. Things I've never preached and never seen, didn't know. They're going to start coming out somewhere in the next couple of weeks. So you can start looking forward to that. But let's focus in tonight on enough. And let me spin it right around because I'm going to speak to you tonight about inadequacy about the inadequacy that I imagine every single one of us have experienced somewhere in our life. Let's go to Matthew 14, verse 22. It's a story lots of you will know. It says, Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. When He'd sent them away, He went up in the mountain by Himself to pray. When evening came, He was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Not every time that God gives you a command, listen to me, not every time God gives you a command does that mean it's going to be easy. Not every time God says, I want you to step out, does that mean it's going to be plain sailing? Jesus told them to get into the boat. Jesus told them to go to the other side. Most of us, we hear a word from God and we think therefore, well, it's gotta be plain and easy. Obviously, it'll be dripping with anointing. There'll be a sense of power. There'll be fruit everywhere. I will feel the presence of God. I will know God is with me. I'll see that He's smoothed the path, opened the doors, made a way where there is no way. And reality for these guys It's the exact opposite. They are obeying Jesus. They get into the boat, start going to the other side. It's not easy. It doesn't feel great. On on the contrary, the, the waves are against them. The wind is against them. And quite frankly, even the fishermen are freaked out. Let's read on. Now in the fourth watch of the night, that means it was really, really dark. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a ghost. How many of you here have ever got up in the middle of the night because you heard a noise and you went out there to see what it was? Imagine what they're like. They are in the middle of a storm. Wind is going against them. Waves are crashing and somebody is walking on the water. Hello. Welcome to Super Freak Out. This is like totally wild and crazy. This is not a noise outside. You know, our dog barked last night and Rhonda said, you know, the dog barked. And I go, yeah, whatever. And she goes, but the dog thinks there must be someone out there. And I go, whatever. So I go walking out outside to see there was nothing out there. Dog freaked out. So Jesus said to Peter, oh no, I better read the verse before it. Um, Yeah, I better read that bit. They cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it's all right, don't be afraid. Now, not only is the ghost walking on the water, now the ghost talks. Come on, 
put yourself at we all go, oh yeah, whatever. I go, no, hello. You know, you get out there at night time and the wind's howling and, and the roof is rattling and and all of a sudden the thing you think you see, because I'm I know what I'm doing, I'm doing this. And I'm blinking, going, I hope it's not there when I open my eyes again. And I open my eyes again, there it is again. And then to make matters worse, this thing talks to me. And I'm kind of going like, whoa, whoa. Uh, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you. Now, where does Peter get this stuff from? (laughs) Peter is like so off the charts. He's such a crazy guy. If I would have said, Lord, if it's you, stop the storm. Lord, if it's you, make the boat stop rocking. Lord, if it's you, turn the lights on. Lord, but not Peter. He said, if it's you, tell me to come out of the boat and and, uh, come to you on the water. And Jesus goes, all right, then whatever you asked, I'll do. That right there, folks, I wish I had time to dig into that. That is a freaky spot. Jesus didn't come up with the idea. Peter did. I haven't got time to get into that one, but you think about that for a while. That's way out there. So he said, come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he's doing it. So he's out there doing this thing as well. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And now listen, I jumped into lots of pools, lots of rivers, lots of dams, lots of ponds, lots of oceans. I have never in my life begun to sink. I've just sunk. Peter doesn't sink. He begins to sink. So the water that was under his feet now gets to the top of his toes. The water at the top of his toes gets to his ankles. The water at his ankles gets to his shins. The water at his shins comes to his knees. And the the oceans and the sea's not rising. He's beginning to sink. How many people go, that's worse? Huh? Are you here with me? How many of your imaginations going, this is better than the movies any day of the week? Beginning to sink, he did the one smart thing. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. That again, I'd love to talk about because Jesus is a long way away. But the moment he gets into the place of crisis, Jesus is right there, right there. And immediately Jesus, Jesus got so close, he could just hold it in his hand. Do you know how far Jesus is away from you? Have you ever thought about it? I'll tell you how far he is away from you right now, that far. That's as far as he is. He's right there. You think he's a long way away, but he's right there. So he stretched out his hand, caught him and said, oh, you have a little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Peter walks on water, but everyone knows you can't. Don't you? How many people here know you can't? I mean, humanly speaking, um, this is not a trick question. You know, anybody here ever tried it apart from me? Read that verse and thought, oh, next time summer comes, and I'm out there in the pool. Let me see if I can walk on water. Well, I've done that and all I've ever got is wet. That's as good as it's ever got. Everyone knows you can't walk on water. He's never had the experience. And what's more, he's never met anybody who has. It's not like there's a whole sect of Judaism of the Pharisees called the walking on water bunch. Go to the walking on water church. They all know how to do it. No, they don't. There's no one's ever done. He's never met anybody. If someone had said, I walk on water, he'd go, oh yeah, right. Pull the other leg. He plays jingle bells. That's a really old Australian saying. He doesn't have the experience, never heard of anyone doing it. He's certainly not equipped for it. 
When he takes his sandals off, there is feet and toes. There aren't flippers. There's no hydrofoils. He's got no equipment for it. It's ridiculous to even think of trying. Tonight I want to speak to you about the ridiculous things God wants you to try. I want to talk to you about, listen to me, about the ridiculous things God wants you to believe. The ridiculous things God wants you to step out on. Because I'm convinced that the Christian life is nothing short of stepping out of the place of comfort and stepping into the place of being ridiculous. I don't mean ridiculous stupid. I mean ridiculous supernatural. I don't mean ridiculous bad. I mean ridiculous amazing. I mean ridiculous whereby you get back and go, woo, look at that. And so this guy steps out of the comfort place and he absolutely, even though he's completely inadequate, somehow or other, he gets out there and he actually does it. Imagine that at the next party you go to where people, aren't they going to want to come up to you and go, wow, tell me, what, but what did it feel like? Did, did the bottom of your feet feel wet? That's what I'd want to know. Did it feel ticklish? Because I've got ticklish feet. You know, did it kind of like, you know, uh, what was that like? And what was the voice of Jesus like? And how did you, you know, and what, where did that thought come from? Why come up with that? You know, how about Lord, you know, let a bird fly past if it's you. He doesn't come up with that. Here's a couple of lessons for you when it comes to stepping out of comfort. Come on, stepping out of comfort and stepping into the, the godly ridiculous, if I can use that term. First thing I want you to understand is this, feeling inadequate doesn't mean you are inadequate. Feeling inadequate doesn't mean you are. Truth is a lot of very called, very gifted, very capable people in Scripture freely owned up to a sense of inadequacy. I've been thinking since I spoke about it at the Middle East Conference in Malaysia in March, because I spoke to these pastors that have got Massive dreams for the Middle East and all that can happen and all that's going to take place in that place where people are coming to Jesus in such extraordinary numbers. Uh, the pastor from uh, Syria, it's the very first officially sanctioned church in Syria in two decades. He's there at the conference. Pastors a church in Beirut in Lebanon and Damascus in Syria. And I turned to him and said, you know, could you pick any harder places? It's like, hello, they're probably the most crazy places to, to have churches. He's got two churches. He drives between, well, he doesn't drive because he's completely legally blind. Totally blind, can't see light from dark. And he's pastoring those two churches and seeing amazing miracles in that incredible place. But you know, I know when I talk to those people at that conference, so many of them, because I spoke on on. Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians 2, where he says, who is sufficient for these things? That God asks us all, listen to me, God asks all of us to believe things that we are not capable of. He asks us to do things that we're not capable of. He says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And we go, you've got to be kidding, Lord. No one will listen to me. And he goes, why don't you just go and try? He says, go lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover and go, Lord, but these old hands that have done the gardening, these hands, Lord, that have pushed a pen or have, have you know, typed on a keyboard, Lord, they're just hands. I've known them all my life. They've been at the end of my arms forever. I don't think there's anything special about them. He said, why don't you try? Why don't you step out? Why don't you believe it? See, but Paul wrote and said, I feel inadequate. 2 Corinthians 2, 
He says, who's sufficient for these things? If you keep reading the passage, he actually gives himself the answer in 2 Corinthians 3, the very next chapter. He rolls on and says that we, though we are insufficient, God makes us sufficient. Think about Moses who said, I can't. God, there's no way I can do this. And God goes, well, why don't you step out and try? Why don't you trust me in this? What about Gideon? God, there's no way I can do it. I'm the least, I'm so insignificant. You know, I have an L for a hat. That's what I wear. God, there's no way I can do it. And God says, but why don't you step out and try? Why don't you believe? Why don't you try? Jeremiah, the prophet said, I'm too young. I'm too young. And Peter said, I'm too sinful. But every single one of those people who freely owned up to their inadequacy ended up proving that actually feeling inadequate doesn't mean you are. Now, I don't know how your lie you've bought into is different from mine. I bought into a bunch of lies when I was a young person that I, I wasn't whatever enough. Definitely one of them, I wasn't good enough. Definitely I was too shy or whatever else. May I don't know what your life sounds like. Probably different to mine. But can I tell you, tonight's a night to get your lie and go, you know what? I'm just going to own that for what it is. It's a lie of the devil. And I'm not going to let that thing keep on telling me what my future can look like because I'm going to step out of the place of comfort, out of the place of my adequacy and I'm going to step into what looks like my inadequacy because I know that feeling inadequate doesn't mean I am. Here's the second thing that's so important to understand. Your inadequacies don't bring you to the edge of failure. They always bring you to the edge of trust. Sometimes, oftentimes in fact, it's so hot in this church. Lord have mercy. I feel like I'm sweating like He does work. Oftentimes we feel, listen, that our sense of inadequacy is like a, a sign of the certainty of failure. Isn't that right? We feel like if I'm nervous, the number of people I've spoken to who say, but I'm so nervous about this, as though somehow or other it means that they're going to fail. I've spoken to another, I spoke to a friend of mine, he travels the world preaching in the largest churches in the world. Known him a long, long time. I said to him once before I was about to speak at a conference, I said, do you ever get nervous? He said, all the time. I reckon talk to anybody who steps out of their place of their comfort and say, do you get nervous? Do athletes get nervous? Of course they do. The reality is that your inadequacies are not a sign of the certainty of failure. Don't believe that. Do you remember that... Um, I don't remember which movie it is, but it's Indiana Jones and he's going to this place and, and there's a scripture that talks about the way forward. And so he gets some sand and he throws it over the chasm. What's that, what, what's that one? It's Indiana Jones and something. And he casts it over the Temple of Doom, is it? Oh, that's our resident Indiana Jones expert right there. And uh, you know what she's doing tonight when she gets home, going to check. And he gets the sand and it uncovers it uncovers a path. You remember the movie? Six people do. How many of you go? That's so old. That's so far back. You know, I talked about the Berlin Wall this morning and one of our worship teams said to me, I was born the year after that. And I went, oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but he, 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 the, the pathway gets revealed. 
the scripture, I can't remember what it was, but it was something to do with trust, stepping out. And so he does that and he steps over this thing that looks like it's impossible. The reality, you might want to remember this, trust is the pathway through inadequacy. Trust the pathway. A lot of people think inadequacy, they're waiting for the magic moment and then they're going to get across it. I go, no, you've got to trust and walk. You've got to trust and walk. That's the way forward through inadequacy. It's never going to get better by running away from it. It's never going to get better by waiting. You step out. Here's number three, third lesson, if you like, on inadequacy in you, is that the space of my adequacy is too small a space for God. I'll let that sink in a minute. So many people are frightened of inadequacy and they're frightened of the failure that might result and they're frightened of what other people might say. That's usually the biggest one. And so they start somehow or other in their mind thinking that the optimum Christian life is staying within the boundaries of what I'm adequate for. My adequacy, in other words, becomes the circle I draw around my life. And so I'll go, well, I know I can't speak. Well, I know I can't sing. Well, I know I can't lead. Well, I know I can't. And without realising it, they're drawing a circle around their life and they're saying, God, you're welcome. Listen, you're welcome in my circle. You can come into my circle, God, I'll meet you here. But can I say to you that Jesus was not in the comfort circle. He wasn't in the space and coming to that, Peter had to get out of the place of comfort to go to where Jesus was because the space of my inadequacy, of my adequacy rather, is too small a space for God. Everyone else in that boat, there was 12 of them in there and every one of them knew their limitations. Every one of them knew they were well acquainted with their inadequacy. Go to, go to Judas or go to, to Thomas or go to John or go to Andrew or go to any one of the other disciples and say, how about we all get out of the boat together? And all of them are going to say, you're nuts. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't step out of there. Stay where you are. They all knew their limitations. But listen, the miracle was never in the boat. Miracles are never in the area of my adequacy. They are always outside of it. I would just like to pause there a minute and just say, Lord, help us. Lord, help us for all the dreams that you put in people's hearts that have never gone anywhere. Because Lord, we've kept waiting for you to step into our circle. We've kept waiting for you to give us a sign that it was possible. We've kept waiting for you, Lord, to come visit us. We've sung, come visit us. We've prayed, Lord, come visit us. And the whole time what God was saying was, I'm not there. I'm not in the safe place. I'm actually outside of it. I want you to step out of the place of your adequacy. Are you capable of it? I'm absolutely certain tonight, and this is a, a number of times this has happened the last couple of months, where I'm certain that the Holy Spirit is saying in this service to many of you here, it's time to ignite the dreams that God has put in your heart and stop waiting for adequacy to open the door for you. 
Stop waiting to feel like you can and to feel like you're able and to feel like God's called you to and to feel like everyone's championing you. You know, no one applauded Peter when he got out of the boat. The miracles were never in the boat. They're never in the area of my adequacy. They're always outside of it. We've got to switch out of what am I capable of and switch into what is God capable of doing through me? Here's the fourth one. I only need adequacy for what's in front of me now. Peter didn't need adequacy for the day of Pentecost. At that moment, all he needed was adequacy to walk on water because that was what was in front of him. Think about this verse, Matthew 6, verse 34. Uh, you know, I've known it for a long, long time, this verse, but I think about it because it says it like this. Uh, in the King James, it says, sufficient under the day is the evil thereof. Sufficient under the day. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow, worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And you know, I'd hear people preach about that when I was a kid or mention it. And what they seemed to be saying was, don't worry, you're going to have a lot of problems. You're going to have a lot of pain. And it's only recently that I realised that's exactly not what Jesus is saying at all. He's actually not saying, well, hold on, this problem's coming. He's saying this, you don't need tomorrow's clarity. You don't need tomorrow's provision. And you don't need tomorrow's faith yet. I just need faith for today. I don't need to obey what God might ask me to do five years down the track. Even though personally, I would like Him to give it to me. Can I get a witness in the belt? Amen. How many of you go, God, if only you would just deposit, you know, like a lotto win in my bank account. Oh God, I would honour you. Yes, Lord, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm, Lord. Mm. And Lord, if while you're at it, you could make me look like someone famous. Give me the voice of Justin Bieber. Does he sing or what? He does, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, and give me that. And Lord, can I dance like Justin Timberlake? I got that. I got that. Hello, yeah. And if I could, no, I won't say anything like Snoop Dogg. Uh, but, you know, yeah. and God, by the way, if I could have the intellect of, God, if you would just deposit all that, God, I would be glad to get out my eraser and erase the circle. But you know what? God never asked me to wait until He brings something to me. He says, why don't you do it now? He says, you don't need tomorrow's yet. Start with today's. I want to finish with this. This is number five. And it won't be up on the screen because I only just wrote it down. The greater the task in front of you, the more the enemy will try to convince you of your inadequacy. The greater the task in front of you, the more the enemy. Rhonda and I were talking about this today, talking about how, you know, sometimes God will speak a word to you and the exact opposite is what takes place. This year, the Lord spoke to us about Enlarge. If I could tell you about some of the pressures that have come in the year of Enlarge that we just go by faith. We just keep walking. By faith, we keep going. God, we keep believing this and we keep walking that way. And, and I'd love to tell you, as I said before, that when God speaks, all of a sudden, away it all goes and it's beautiful. But the greater the task in front of you, the more will the enemy will try to convince you that you're inadequate. Think about David who's facing a monumental task and how many people lined up to tell him how ridiculous it was. His brother said, 
1 Samuel 17, verse 28, I know the naughtiness of your heart. You've just come down here to see the battle. Well, there was a one, but he, he said that. King Saul, who was the head and shoulders that says he was the tallest man and the most warrior experienced man in the entire nation. He has got it all together. And you know what? He said to David, you can't do it. And then he gets in front of Goliath and Goliath doesn't even say you can't do it. He says, how dare you come and insult me by turning up to fight? And he says, I'm going to rip your head off. Sometimes, come on, are we all here tonight? Sometimes the greater the task, the more the enemy's going to work overtime to try and convince you, you're really not up for this, you know. You really can't, you are a bit of a deal. I remember when I, I heard the call, I was 19, working in a bank. And uh, I heard the pastor stand up and say, so many people have been coming to Christ. Uh, well, they needed someone to come and work for free. Come work for nothing for the church, full time, to look after new Christians. I walked up to him, hair halfway down my back, and uh, the one pair of good shoes I owned on my feet, or maybe it was the thongs, I was wearing the dog a bit in the back off, uh, Rhonda's dog. And uh, I walked up there, and I shook him by the hand and God smote him blind. And I said, I'm your man. So I went back to the bank I was in, told him I was quitting my job. Can I tell you how many people told me I couldn't do it? Uh, my parents sure did. They were not that impressed. I'd led one of my work colleagues to Christ and he laughed at me and said, I don't think you can do it. I, I, I ought to be used to it by now, but I still not. I don't know about anybody else here. I still get a bit perplexed when I feel like God's spoken and then the enemy comes in going, kaboosh, kaboosh, you know, and getting a couple of jabs in under the ribs and you're going, Carl, Carl. <laughs> now, of course, you're more strong than me. You would never do that. But I have been known to just lose my <clears throat> thread in my dishcloth a bit. Team, please come. The greater the task in front of you, the more the enemy is going to convince you that you're inadequate or try to. Acts 18 verse 9. God spoke to Paul at an <clears throat> incredibly difficult spot in his life. He's just been persecuted like crazy. Lots of things have happened that were against him. Acts 18 verse 9, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision saying, don't be afraid. Isn't it amazing how many times God starts off talking to us and says, don't be afraid. Because He knows that's the thing that's trying to get us. Don't be afraid, but speak and don't keep silent. For I'm with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I've got many people in this city. I spoke this morning about the church. The church. Lizzie mentioned it. And I love it, no matter what the brand is, no matter what the denomination is, no matter what labels over the door, literally. I don't care whether their music is old fashioned and a Gregorian chant or whether it's, you know, the latest thing coming down the Bethel pipeline. I'm not bothered by what the music style, whether the person up the front wears robes or not. I don't think, I just love the body of Christ. Love all different backgrounds. If you're here, we don't ever trumpet our church and our denomination, we're here as a, first of all, to honour Jesus Christ, to say, Lord, You are the one that saved us. No church saved us. No organisation, no denomination paid the price for our sin. Only He did. 
And we thank God for that. But you know, I, I know across Perth, there's so many great things happening in churches. But can I say this to you? That most of Perth still needs more churches and more churches that love lost people. Acts 18, 9. I've still got many people in this city. They're not saved yet. They don't know Jesus yet. They're not walking with God yet. But God says they're mine. And I intend to bring them in. I intend to reap them. And, and I pray tonight that as you go home after this service, and as you start thinking about, God, I've been living in the edge of my inadequacy. I've drawn the circle. And I'm asking you to come into it, but you're asking me to step out. You're asking me to go, how about we pull down the fence? How about we erase the line? How about we just say to God, God, I'm willing. I'm going to step out of the place of comfort because my inadequacies are not a sign of anything other than my past. Amen. Bow your head with me a minute. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're here in this place. You're not here because of us. You're here because of your great love for humanity and because of what lies outside of us. And Lord, where we've drawn circles in our life and stepped back and said, why don't you come in? Come on, Lord, I, I really want you. I'll step into my circle, Lord. I'll really serve you in that circle. Lord, I, I'll really honour you in that space. Lord, I'm just, and Lord, we've even thought we were right and godly for doing it. Lord, when you were saying, if you want to walk with me, you've got to get out to where your adequacy can't reach. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' Name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you tonight, you know God's speaking to you. And I know that He's speaking to many. I want to pray with you right where you are. I want you to acknowledge it because I believe that there's power in saying, you know what, tonight, the lie that I've taken on, the lie that I've believed that I couldn't, that I'm inadequate, the lie that somehow or other, if I step out, I'm, go I'm sure to fail. That that lie tonight, I'm going, that's an end to that one. And I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to believe that if I'll go to where, what God wants, if I'll get out of the place of my comfort, God will help me. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you tonight, just where you are. All I'm asking you to do, just simply lift your hand so I know I'm praying with you, just wherever you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, 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 yep. Lots of you. Lots of you. Anybody else? Just wherever you are. Thank you. I'll see you. Yep. Just wherever you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you down here and ask you to confess your inadequacy. I'm simply wanting to pray because I believe. Thank you up there. God bless you. Thank you up in the stage, up in the stage. Thank you. Because I believe, thank you over there. I believe that tonight, this is a significant moment. I don't have any idea of what God is speaking to you about. But I know that if He's speaking to you, the best thing you'll ever do is to say yes. I said yes that day and walked out and said, I'll work for nothing for the church. And I'm not going to do that. But I thank God to this day, that I stepped out of the place of my comfort, despite what everybody said. Is there anybody else before we pray? You haven't lifted it yet, you say, that's me. Yep, 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 yep. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, for every hand that's raised or been raised, we simply want to come before You and offer You, Lord, what to us looks woefully inadequate.
Thank you, Lord, that you don't ask us to feel strong, but simply to be strong. Thank you, Lord, you don't ask us to feel like overcomers because you just say we are that when we follow you. So God, I pray that in this room tonight, with these people that are here, Lord, you are the head of the church. So you will move us into areas and places and do things that some of us here, Lord, no one will ever know about, but just you and the people that you call us to help. So we thank you for your blessing and your favour on it. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Just while heads are bowed, eyes are still closed, maybe you're here tonight. Three people this morning, I know in the service said, you know, I need Christ. And they yes texted. What a wonderful and remarkable thing when people, I still have never lost the joy, the wonder of somebody says yes to Jesus. Somebody says, Jesus, I need you. I think that is such a, remarkable and incredible thing that people still all over the world, people say yes to Christ. Can I tell you that Jesus never sees the crowds. Pastor Hayden spoke about the 7,000 just this week in Iquitos in Peru. But you know, even if it was 7,000 or seven, every one would matter to God. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. Or maybe I'm just not sure I know Jesus. Or maybe I used to walk with God. I lost my weight. I need to come back to God. Would you let me pray with you right where you are? Again, I'm never about embarrassing people. I'm not afraid of asking people to do something bold either. But I just know that the importance of this moment is, is that you in your heart go, yep, I'm going to open my heart up to Jesus. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. And I'd love to pray for you right where you are. You can yes text like we spoke about this morning and I'll show that to you in a minute. But I'd love to pray with you right now, right where you are. If you say to me, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. Jeff, I'm not walking with God. I'd like to invite Christ to, to come into my life tonight. If that's you, just give me a little wave. Would you raise that hand so I can see it again? I wanna pray with you right where you are. And I won't embarrass you. I'm gonna help you tonight. Pray a prayer with you. How about we pray? Because I want, I want everybody to be able to get in on this and start with this. Would you make this your prayer? You can say this after me if you'd like to. Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. I want You in my life. I want to know You. I want to talk to You and I want to hear Your voice. Come into my life right now, forgiving my sin, saving me. Thank You, Jesus. Amen. Amen. To those of you that prayed that for the first time and to the people that are listening to this podcast, wherever you are, people all over the world are listening to it. God bless you wherever you are, wherever you are. I'm praying for you and our team will begin praying for you that you'll follow Christ and walk into the fullness of everything God has for you in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. You can look this way. The simplest way to begin that walk. I love this. Uh, we haven't stopped yet, by the way. The series keeps rolling on. This morning I got my one on evangelism because uh, that's, I don't know what we're up to, but they're every 10 days after the first 30 days. And, uh, you know, so I got this one this morning. There it is. St. Francis of Assisi is quoted as saying, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. 
The message here is that our lives and how we live ought to be the loudest expression of Christian witness accompanied by a testimony that aligns with our actions. That was pretty succinct. Just one screen like that and it's encouragement. But if you start at the first 30 days, it's actually a Bible verse about following Jesus. And it's a prayer as well that is added on to the end, fits on one screen, so that you can pray that and make it your prayer. And we would love to help you start following Christ.